Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant's Office Life mockumentary first aired 20 years ago. But its influence has been immense, says Jared Gilbert in The Independent. We got to know Dawn Tinsley, Gareth Keenan, Tim Canterbury, Keith in accounts, and of course the Brent Meister General. David Brent. It's often named as one of the great series of all time, and yet the first review said how this dross ever got beyond the pilot stage is a mystery. Victor Lewis Smith in the London Evening Standard condemned the show for aiming to capture the tedium and monotony of a nine-to-five existence and to lampoon the pompous imbecility of the office wag, but failing miserably because parodies of dullness only succeed. And yet, it was the general office tedium that everyone watching could absolutely relate to. Here is the boss, David Brent, musing on life. Yeah, the bosses are panicking. They're going, oh, cut back, lose staff, you know. That's the way forward. That'll save us money, will it? Yeah? Who's to say that, you know, hiring staff won't save money in the long run? You know? Does a, a struggling salesman start turning up on a bicycle? Uh, he turns up in a newer car, Perception. Yeah, they got to trust me. I'm taking these guys into battle, yeah, and I'm doing my own stapling. Yeah? A sergeant major spends all his time training his men to be killers. He doesn't polish his own boots. He probably, he probably does polish his own boots, but you know, it doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean I have to do my own filing. David Brent, there, 20 years old, the UK officer on the panel. Raven can. Were you a fan? Are you a fan? I was a fan. I was, yeah, I was, I was blown away. Um, yeah, same. And when I went to, I was in the UK for a time and I did some gigs and um, I met I met Stephen Merchant. Did you? We, we were on the same lineup, and I was very excited to meet him. What think, was yeah. it? What about you, Claire? Were you a fan of the UK office? No. I have to confess that I have never watched an episode of the UK office in my life or the American office. It's very funny, isn't it, Raven? Uh, yeah. I mean, just... How do you just, describe not it? Only, not only yeah. was it funny, but it also had uh, what they call heart, um, yeah. the, the relationship between Tim and Dawn. And I think the the Christmas special was, was something else because that, you know, they they had moments that where you could really, mm. uh, you know, feel other emotions apart from just like, ha, ha, ha. Mm. One of the great series of all times, and I do recommend it, The Office. If you've never seen The Office UK, uh, check out uh, David Brent and his team at the paper merchant's office of Wernham Hogg in Slough, or was it Swindon, Raven? Slough. Slough, that's right. Uh, now, <laughs> I didn't know uh, the sort of response that this would get, but um, Dr. Claire Robinson, your heartless comments about <laughs> too many, too many, very heartless, they're going off and there are people agreeing with you. About what? About my cafes? Be, be, uh, too, too many cafes in New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Um, much as I love choice, I agree that we are overstocked with small cafes for population New Zealand size. Says Paul, too many cafes. Let some go under and staff will become available. Uh, another one. Absolutely right on, Claire. It needs saying. Starting a movement. Are your listeners championing f- less choice? Yes. yes. Give us um, one option. One monolithic cafe provider. Go back to Nescafe. A, instant. A, a limited amount of cups of coffee per day. <laughs> 
I agree with Claire, says Jenny. There are right. far too many cafes and restaurants serving overpriced, pretentious food. So do you agree with Dr. Claire Robinson that New Zealand is a nation overstocked with too many mediocre... No, no, I didn't say oh. that. Too many um, local boutique, ah. small cafes... Which character have, which and have individuality. Very, but mm. with very high overheads, which means it's a much higher cost to the cafe owner than it would be if they mm. were in a larger chain, even though I don't okay. like franchises. And by the way, just on a side note, a lot of people are telling me to tell Wallace, quite a few, to pronounce Raven's name, please. Uh, so I call you Raven Can. What should I be calling you? Well, that's I, I that's one of the options. That's how I say it sometimes. But oh. I have turned and I, I now sometimes say Khan. Because I've noticed, I actually think it sounds more powerful than can. Can. Yeah, it just has Kublai that. Can. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got that. Jinkers can. Yeah, you know, and they are business leaders, aren't they? they? I mean, they didn't pay their staff very well. I wouldn't have given them many choices of coffee, but, you know, unmistakably um, chairman of the board type people. Okay, so can for, for being more powerful. Yo, way more. Okay, all right. To this now, England have beaten Denmark two one in the European Football Championship semi final at Wembley after extra time was needed to separate the two sides. England won their first semi final since 1966 World Cup when Harry Kane's extra time goal, following up after his penalty had been had been saved, earning a two one victory over Denmark that sent them into Sunday's Euro 2020 final against Italy. Well, the home side were on top throughout but struggled to break through the battling Denmark defence and England will return on Monday, 55 years after lifting the World Cup there. They did it the hard way. With us is comedian and football coach Andrew Clay, who I understand is coaching right now and out in the wind, no less, Andrew. <laughs> well, listen, I'm at the coalface here, there. Well, Wallace, you know me. I'm, I'm a man of the people. Um, just trying to help the next uh, generation of youngsters realise their dreams. So you're on, like you're on the football field right now? I certainly am. Yep, I've just called training short. Uh, so I can talk to you guys. <laughs> I what? say we're done. We're done. What? I've got Wallace Chapman to talk to. What did you make of the, What did you make of the game? Uh, I thought it was an entertaining game. Yeah, uh, England edged it across the, the you know the duration of the 120 minutes. Yes, it was a soft penalty. It's a bit like cricket. If it's given out, the, the VRA didn't see enough to overturn it. Had it not been given as a penalty, the VRA wouldn't have said it's a penalty. Right. Um, you know, there was a, there was an incident. Lots of English fans have pointed out earlier in the game where Harry Kane got called for a minute foul, slipped to the penalty area, and was absolutely side down. And and apparently wasn't given a free kick, was given a free kick. So, you know, there's, there's a woulda, coulda, shoulda part of it. It wasn't the worst decision I've ever seen. It wasn't the best one. Um, and probably a crossroad. Mm. Okay, uh, listeners, we apologise for uh, the, uh, the 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 the, uh, the quality, but this is this is this is this is a, this is we're going live to the football pitch, so we're, we're absolutely live uh, this afternoon <laughs> to football as we know it. Raven, did you watch it? No, I didn't watch it, and I actually feel like it's a form of colonisation that we're being made to care about it. Exactly. Because really, point it's too. like why are we why are we oh. such fans of yep. England, a population of fifty five million, beating Denmark, population five million, at home, um, at a game that they dominate, where they own the English Premier League. You know, it's this strange underdog myth that we that we seem to care when they abandoned us for Europe. In the 70s. What do you think about this highly controversial angle live on the football pitch, Andrew? 
Well, I'm just staring at my British passport, which is next to my New Zealand one. So, I've, you know, in football, I follow England. No one's making uh, Rabin care about it. Um, I believe the English team care quite deeply for Rabin. So they'll be disappointed to hear his, uh, his attitude. But, um, yeah, uh, the premiership is own, but it's not full of Englishmen. It's full of, full of lots of other people. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't been in it for a while, but, you know, it's an emotional attachment to Mother England. But there's lots of people that hate England as well. There's lots of people on Facebook, you know, saying that they were, they were lucky to make this final, the rest of it. So that's the whole point of it, isn't it? It's a drama. It's a... And anyway, right, when you'll get the chance when England lose the final, so you can have a good laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. 55 years. Andrew, we'll let you get back to your football game. Uh, but thanks for joining us there live. Pleasure. Yeah, from the football pitch. But just before we go, so both of you not into it. You see it as a form of colonisation that we're even talking about it. Well, well, I, I'm, talk, I'm, well, talking about it from the point of view of England, like you know, they they're they're ten times the population of Denmark. Of course, they should beat them. So I spent quite a bit of time on the football field watching my son play football from well thirteen years of it. And but I'm not a great football fan. But uh, so I asked my football mad adult son, he's twenty three, what he what the big deal was, and he said it's no more significant than any other country reaching the finals. It's just taking up more airtime because the media are looking at it through an Anglo English speaking lens. And the argument that they haven't reached the finals in so long could be applied to any contender country. So yeah, it's a very um, a very strangely old colonial perspective that yeah. we have by being fixated with England's success as opposed to any other per- any other team's success. And it doesn't make up for their own goal voting for Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> Putting that into soccer terms. Our own right. goal. Did you nice. notice that? Yeah, nice that one, That was a soccer expression. Uh, yes, with uh, Dr Claire Robinson and Raven Khan uh, <laughs> this afternoon. Uh, all right, uh, gosh, they're rolling through about there's too many cafes. You've really started a movement, Claire. I think you might have a, uh, a little party. I'd love, love to go to your cafe, Claire. I'd love to see the minimalism. I don't minimalism, drink coffee. The minimal choice that your and exorbitant prices that your cafe would provide. <laughs> I agree with Dr. Robinson. She's 100% correct. There are too many cafes and lots of pokey little premises. So I think you might have a blog brewing, uh, Claire. Anyway, uh, on a completely different note today, a woman sustained lifelong facial injuries after being brutally attacked by a pitbull at an Onanghunga field in Auckland. Shay Lorty just left Middlemore Hospital following big surgery to her face. She's now resting at home. The owner of the dog did not apologise, didn't even apologise, just put the dogs in the car and a reward is being offered to find them. Thankfully, there was another man on the scene who pulled the dogs off her. They don't know who he was either. So with us to discuss is Shay's partner, Lazal Carr. Lazal, welcome to the panel. Thanks for taking the time for us. Yeah, no, no worries at all. Thank you guys very much for getting in contact. Can you tell us what happened, Lazal? So my partner was at work, a uh, normal sort of day. She takes my boy to work with her and takes him up to the park a couple of times a day to um, do his business and run around it, you know, as per usual. He's German Shepherd. About five years old, um, she gets to the park. There's a couple. Of, there's a, she sees one dog, one one patty sitting up there, and um, that's fine. She goes to the other field. She notices the owner of this dog doesn't have a lot of control over him, which is whichever. Mm. She did contemplate going straight back to work, but she didn't, unfortunately. By by this time, there's there's three of these dogs. One of them's come up. He's latched onto my boy. My partner's got involved and um, unfortunately suffered some, some, some pretty nasty facial injuries. Um, the owner 
ambled over, and that's, that's the word she's used, is ambled over. The, there's a bystander. We still don't know who he is. Uh, we are trying to find out who he is. I really want to thank him. Just say thanks, yeah. And, and kicked, kicked this dog in the, in the head, I believe. Um, dog's released. The owner's grabbed his pit bull, taken it back to the car, which my partner thought was he was just going to put the dog in the car and come back, and he's just driven off, leaving my partner with his face torn up, torn shreds. Um, uh, just disbelief. I mean, dogs dogs are dogs, and we we really do like pit bulls. In fact, we both want to own one at some stage, you know. But it's not the breed. It's it's the owner. It's the owners of these things, and they just don't, don't understand... What um, what owning one of these things is, you know, the, the effort you have to put in. I mean, we've got German shepherds, and they can be nasty if you want them to be. But if you give them the love and attention they need, they're a beautiful, beautiful animal, no, no different to any, any other breed. So enough of an injury for uh, Shay to spend some time at uh, Middlemore having, I think it was two hours of plastic surgery. How's she doing now? This must have been shocking for her. Uh, absolutely shocking for her. I mean, she was so upset about her, our boy. She didn't even ring an ambulance. She rang me first, and I'm up in Kaitaia at this stage. So I told her to ring an ambulance straight away. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I really I really don't know how to, how to get this across. She's been left with some pretty nasty facial injuries. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. This, this guy just... He, I don't know why he left. He didn't say sorry? Not at all, no. He, he didn't say a thing to her. He just just left. Clear. Well, I, I'm confused. Um, and well, obviously it's a terrible thing to happen, and I, I'm very scared of pit bulls myself. But aren't they meant to wear muzzles? Didn't the law change that required um, pit bulls to not be able to go out in public without a muzzle? I believe so. Um, from what I understand, they're meant to wear a muzzle. They're meant to be um, uh, de-sexed. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so frustrating. I mean, she, she's doing as good as, as possible, and it could have been so, so much worse. She has got off, uh, I won't yeah. say lightly, but as, as far as it, it could have been, she has got off lightly. Raven? Oh, well, I just don't know what can be done. It's like unless there was, unless there was some sort of camera nearby, that could get the license plate. Mm. I mean, it just seems like a, a shocking and you know traumatic and terrible situation. And that person seems you know like a monster, really. Uh, so I've obviously put up a cash reward, two and a half grand um, cash, no questions asked, to to find a name and address of this guy. We have had some private messages come through of some people which have been passed on to the police here and animal control, animal management. Um, they are working. Animal management have got a registration number now from what I understand oh. as of today. Good. And we've got some photographs and I've showed my partner and she's pretty sure this is the guy that we... We can't be certain, so okay. we're not going to say anything. We're passing on to the police. Yeah. I guess one of the one of the reasons also why we why we got you on, Lassar, because this this you know one does not expect when you walk a dog as many many thousands of people do uh, across Aotearoa to have this sort of attack. You know, the 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 least you'd be thinking of is an attack like this when you mm. when, when when you walk a dog. It, it, it shocking as 
happened to your partner, it would it could have been so much worse if it was a little toddler, a little child. Well, do you remember, Wallace, it used to happen a lot. Um, well, yeah. not a lot, but it, there were some really horrific child-dog um, attacks which did require the law to be changed, but it's yes. really disappointing to hear that it's still not being um, obliged yeah. by... LaSalle? It's... Um it's frustrating to see. I've, I used to work a lot with um, Housing New Zealand properties in South Auckland, all over New Zealand, um, down Tikawiti, those sort of ways, and you've come across a lot of these breeds, and I don't think, in all the years I did this, I've probably come across three. Three pit bulls that were, were not, not particularly friendly, and just about every time the owners would say, hey, my dog's not friendly, don't go near it, and that's <laughs> fine. Every other pity I've ever come across has just been a beautiful, loving animal, and it, it's a bit this wouldn't even be a problem if, if the owner had just stuck around. Mm. And all I can say is I just want this guy to come forward, own up, man up, and just do the right thing. That's that's so true, isn't it? If the, if the gentleman just said, said, I am so absolutely sorry, and maybe had a bit of a sit-down with you, how could we work on this forward? What, what would we do? It might have been a different outcome, eh? But uh, anyway, just for now, I really hope that... Uh, before we go, how is Shay doing now? As good as she possibly could be. I mean, she's got a lot of swelling. Um, she's in pretty good spirits, all things considered, and it, it's just starting to hit her today, the gravity of the situation. I mean, the last couple of days has been pretty rough, but it hasn't really hit her, and it's starting to hit her now as to, as to the facial injuries, and she's starting to feel it uh, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's difficult. I can't thank both of our companies enough, New Zealand Crane Hire and Transfer Wholesale Limited New Zealand, for the support and the support of everyone on Facebook and around the community, you guys included, uh, we we feel very special for this. And we hope that this just gets big enough that he does get caught or come forward on his own. Well, we just, we need this to never happen again from this guy. We need these dogs. I, I hate to say it, they will probably be destroyed, and that's sad because the dogs are not at fault. It's the owner that needs to be held responsible, but he needs to own up. He needs to man up, own up, and so this doesn't happen to anybody else. All right, LaSalle, thank you very much for joining us there, and all the best to you and Farno. Uh, Thank you so much. That is LaSalle Carver. And uh, just on that, I think that we we may well be getting an animal behaviourist on. Uh, not entirely sure if uh, the the uh, owner is the problem or the dog is the problem. Anyone know? I have a feeling that there are certain breeds that are more prone to aggression. Claire? Don't ask me, Wallace. I'm no, no expert in dogs. Yes, there are. Uh, nine to five, the panel RNZ National. Well, the COVID pandemic continues to reshape our relationship to work. Following the successful trial of a four-day working week, 86% of Iceland's workforce have either moved to shorter hours for the same pay or will gain the right to. The trials in which the workers were paid the same amount for shorter hours took place between 2015 and 2019. Four day weeks are happening here too. A trial at Unilever began at the end of last year. With us to discuss is Charlotte Lockhart, a four day week global CEO who's obviously an advocate of the idea. Charlotte, kia ora. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Pleasure. So, this came out on BBC. Uh, Iceland's workforce will move, or well, most of them, to a four day working week. Their trial has been so successful. Um, that's quite something for a whole nation to move to. It is. It's part of a reasonably interesting global movement. We've got a number of countries that are really starting to uh, head this way. 
uh, Europe it tends to lead the way with this. We've got Spain with the government there supporting a movement for, uh, you know, for, for over 200 companies to join a pilot uh, program to to explore this. We have um, uh, Ireland have have a campaign going on there with the Dublin City Council, uh, just announcing yesterday that they are going to was voted unanimously that they would pilot the uh, the four day week. Um, we have the likes of Kickstarter in the US who who've joined the pilot, um, and it is a conversation that everyone is having now. What is work going to look like in the future? What we don't see here in New Zealand, because our lives have been impacted by COVID, but not in the same way as it has been out in the rest of the world, where you know the work from home has been effectively everything that everyone everyone's been doing it since March of last year. And as employees um, and businesses open back up again because they've got their vaccination programs um, well underway. Then you know the employers are asking, well, what is the you know what is the return to work going to look like? And you've got likes of Tim Cook from Apple going, well, I think it's going to look like this. And all those people said no. Right. As nice as you think that might sound, Tim, which was he was doing a combination of come into the office and and, uh, and 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 work from home. People were saying, no, we want the choice of how we're going to work, and that is the difference. All oh, right, okay. Now, no, got you. Now, so we've got a panel here, Charlotte. Now, so let's bring let's bring in Claire first. So, workers pay the same amount for shorter hours. That's what's going to happen in much of Iceland. And listeners, do you agree with this? Two one zero one. Could you see it working? What do you think, Claire? Well, it's really um, interesting. Uh, selfishly, I'm completely in favour because I know that every time I have a three-day weekend, I'm um, I'm struck by how much better I feel when I go okay. back to work after that. But um, uh, when Labour, the Labour Party, brought in the 40-hour working week law back in 1936, they did so by shortening the working hours, but at the same time, they paid people the same hours that they, or the same pay that they would have been working when they were working 46, 48, 48 hours a week, and that was what um, that was what really um, made it so successful moving down to 40 hours, uh, because people were so dependent at that stage on the 46, 48 hour week. But um, it is that's what's going to be required. I think uh, post COVID, I know a lot of people in the university sector were saying, "Oh, well." We could reduce hours to four days a week, but and drop their pay by twenty um, percent. But that, that's actually, not what this is about? No, no. this is about All something right. else. This is a hundred percent pay for eighty percent. A hundred percent pay for eighty percent work. Raven, mm. with a, a thought for Charlotte. That sounds like a pay increase to me, Charlotte. Yeah. Well, if you if you look at it from you know the example that we did with Perpetual Guardian, what we said to our people is, if you can do your job in less time, you can go home. So it's about productivity um, improvements along the way. So it will feel like a pay increase because uh, you are having to work less hours for it. And let's face it, you could go off and do a you know a, a side gig uh, and and earn more. But it, it doesn't. It's not about more money in your pocket. It's about more time to spend the way that you want to spend it. Raven. Well, it sounds interesting that um, people respond to this. It's almost like what you're saying is that people become more efficient if you tell them they have less time to do something. Mm. Is it's, that true? It's true. Remember the adage, if you give a, give a person, busy person, a yeah, right. work and they'll do it. Mm. You know, right. People do um, 
uh, if you reduce the number of hours people have to do their work, they will do it in that number of hours. Just finally, though, Charlotte, is there something about Iceland that would make it work? Is there something about Aotearoa that might not make it work? Or do you think that we have the right conditions for this to work here? So uh, workers are paid the same amount of work for shorter hours. There is no reason why it wouldn't work mm. here. What we need is just is for New Zealand to get behind the idea and for New Zealanders to want it. You know, and we have the most amazing country. I mean, Iceland's obviously, um, you know, I've never been there, but presumably quite a nice place. But we've got the better place, right? Why would we not want more free time to be able to, to enjoy it? But we need government to get behind it. We need um, local government to get behind it. The economics of working less are, are there. It's great for the planet. The, the carbon emissions go down. There is actually no downside to this. And we've got okay. Ganesh Nana with, you know, trying to help New Zealand work out what its productivity conundrum is. But what you do when you do a pilot of a four-day week is you actually hand that to your staff and go, hey, guys, let's solve this problem for ourselves. We don't need somebody else to solve it. We can do that. Very good. Nice to have you on the programme, Charlotte Lockhart there, four-day week global CEO. And I guess uh, if you did that, if you had a long that would be you'd be, you'd be able to, uh, Dr Claire Robinson, to start a cafe, a really, a, a really good one, eh? I don't know when it would be open, though, if you're only making four days a week. That well, sounds like well, yeah, yeah, the ca- not the ca- open. Wellington cafes that depend on workers being there every day would probably suffer, but, um, Do you but think- the tourist industry would improve. And remember, Jacinda was trying to encourage everybody to go on um, three days. Weekends Do you think they've post-COVID? played a trick on the people in Iceland by just making their hours a little bit longer? Do you think oh. they've, they've they've done something with their clocks? So they <laughs> yeah. think it's they think yeah. it's forty That's hours. That's because they don't have any night. <laughs> oh, actually, they've it. made the hour ninety uh, minutes now. See, that's why we get you on, Raven. You <laughs> yeah. know it, eh? Go, go, yeah. We're going decimal. It's now hundred minutes to the hour. But Claire don't tell Robinson, the people in Iceland. Raven can kia both. Thank you very much. I'm Wallace Chapman. I'm back tomorrow. And Nathan Rarere for afternoons.